It's the Locked On Buckeyes podcast. I'm your show host, Kyle Lamb. Today on Locked On Buckeyes, going to review that wild Ohio State game that, boy, it started off so, so badly. Fortunately for Ohio State fans, the Buckeyes were able to compose themselves. They went in to the locker room at halftime with a seven-point deficit and came out looking much, much better in the second half. I will talk about that game, what I saw that I liked, what I did not like, and what to expect from this team going forward. Also, it is official Ohio State will face Penn State at noon in two Saturdays from now. I'm sorry, three Saturdays from now. That'll be a Fox kickoff. We'll talk about what that means. I know some of you are frustrated. I'll give some opinions on what I think about the noon kickoffs in general, why they happen, and why they're not as big of a deal as some people are making. Also, is this Ohio State team the most balanced football team you will ever see in college football? Well, there's some analytics and a certain chart out there that I'm going to reference that I think you need to take a look at if you haven't seen it already that is going to say Ohio State might just be that good. Locked on Buckeyes podcast is on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. We are on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply by saying play Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Locked on Buckeyes is sponsored by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. We are also here with support from GoBus with over 40 stops across Ohio with popular destinations like the Hocking Hills, Mohican State Park, and Ohio's big cities. Visit them at ridegobus.com or call them 1-888-95-GOBUS. So for the second consecutive season, Ohio State opens up its college basketball season with an identical 64-56 to win over non-rival Cincinnati. This was a very, very similar start to last year, if you recall. In the first half, Ohio State really, really started out sluggishly. This year was actually far, far worse. Wednesday night, they looked really, really bad in spots. Last year was just kind of a slow burner to get going. They kind of made a run late first half and then made a Big surge to start the second half and got out to a big double-digit lead. And Cincinnati kind of chipped away at the lead last year, and they wound up uh, getting it into single digits at 64-56. This year was a little bit different in that Ohio State did not really get going in the first half, went in with a seven-point deficit at halftime, and then came out in the second half and really rolled, got out to a nine-point lead at one point, but then just kind of nursed the lead the rest of the game and wound up winning by eight. There was a lot to like about this in the second half and a lot to dislike throughout the game. Let's start with the first half. It was a, a disorganized mess pretty much in every sense of the imagination. Ohio state was missing shots poorly. There were a couple air balls. There was one shot that went up over the top of the backboard. Literally didn't hit rim, but just went right over to the top of the backboard. Guys were falling down. They were dribbling the ball off their foot. They were throwing errant passes out of bounds. Slipping and sliding everywhere. Missing shots. 
0 of 5 or 0 of 6 from from the free throw line in the first half. Turnovers galore. You name it, it was problematic on offense in the first half. And it got to the point where I was thinking about shutting the game off, not necessarily thinking it was over, just that I couldn't stomach watching it anymore. It was the most disastrous start you could imagine for Ohio State. The good news, Cincinnati wasn't playing a whole heck of a lot better. I don't even know that Ohio State was playing great defense. They had a lot of miscommunications and breakdowns that led to some easy baskets by Cincinnati, but the Bearcats were not hitting shots, and they were turning the ball over a little bit on their own. So it was an ugly game all the way around. I decided to leave the game on, and Ohio State, to their credit, came out and played a lot different game in the second half. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't error-free. There were a lot of things, especially down the stretch, that have to get better. But what I liked in the second half is, you know, and Chris Holtman even mentioned it after the game, I said, somebody asked me on Twitter, I thought that Ohio State changed up their offense a little bit. It looked like they brought the offense up and were running some back cuts and doing some various things that they weren't doing in the first half. And Holtman confirmed this after the game, basically saying they ditched their offense at halftime because Cincinnati was stopping everything they were trying to do. So credit Chris Holtman and his staff for changing things up, making halftime adjustments, and it clearly worked. Ohio State at one point had scored like 30 points in their first 16 or 17 possessions of the second half. That's really, really efficient. Now, that being said, it didn't continue the entire second half. They did get a little sloppy late in the half. They missed a few free throws, had a couple turnovers. D.J. Carton made a freshman mistake, fouling a guy up six, and they get a three-point play opportunity out of it. Those are the little things that have to get better. But here's the thing. I spent so much time praising the point guards last week, and C.J. Walker, to his credit, after starting off really, really bad the first five, ten minutes of the game, I thought played a lot better the rest of the game, especially second half. D.J. Carton had some freshman moments, and he had some McDonald's All-American type of moments. He wasn't a McDonald's All-American, but he he had some McDonald's All-American moments, if that makes sense. The point guard play will get better. I promise you that. It was not good in this first game. C.J. Walker and D.J. Carton both had four turnovers each. That's not going to cut it. As you all know, that watched Ohio State basketball last season, that just was something that plagued the program all year and really the last couple years. But that will get corrected. C.J. Walker is too good of a point guard. D.J. Carton is too talented a guy for that not to get better. But the things that I see that have to get better that I do still wonder about, I don't wonder about the point guard play. By the end of the season, that's going to be really good. But I wonder about the shooting. They really need Dwayne Washington, and, and they're kind of in a awkward situation here because Wayne Washington is one of their most talented, if not their most talented backcourt offensive scorers. The problem is he's very inconsistent defensively. They want him to continue to be a defender every single play, and he has not done that yet in his career. And offensively, despite the talent, he's nowhere near reliable enough to put out there because his shot selection is very, very poor. He gets kind of, uh, he plays at a pace that 
I think he's trying to make a play too much and not slowing down and thinking what's going on in front of him. So he, he really is a sloppy basketball player right now. He's very talented. He's the kind of guy that can lead a team. We've seen him in spurts be instant offense for Ohio State, but he's got to do that more consistently. So the shooting and the scoring from the backcourt has to get better. Caleb Wesson has to be a more consistent inside presence. We know now that he can hit shots, apparently. He's becoming a really, really good perimeter shooter. Hit a couple big threes again in this game last night. But he's got to be more consistent as a post player. I thought Cincinnati did a great job shutting him down in the post. He definitely got a lot of fouls called on Cincinnati, but he didn't really do much with it as far as scoring. Their pair of seven-footers were big and physical with him, and it bothered him, I thought. So he has to be more consistent inside. Thank goodness, though, with for Kyle Young, who had one of his best games he's had in a career, 14 points, 13 rebounds. He was the only reason that Ohio State was still in the game in the first half with his effort, his rebounding, his intensity, some of the... The uh, off or the defense to offense transition points that he helped score, Kyle Young was huge in this game. So Ohio State has a lot going for it, but they need more of those moments. They need more guys that are able to step up and make plays when shots aren't falling. Everything was going wrong for Ohio State in that first half with the turnovers, the missed free throws, the missed shots. But you can still win games like that, and they did to their credit. But you can still win games like that if you have other guys making plays. They need more of that from their backcourt. That's the one thing that I still wonder about this team. Can Dwayne Washington, Luther Muhammad, and Carton to an extent, can they step up with consistent offense and scoring and shooting when they need it the most this year? They got it in the second half a little bit. I thought some of that was transition success off of their defense. And their defense wasn't great. They didn't come up with all the stops that they needed in the second half. I thought it was kind of poor down the stretch after they got up nine. They kind of let Cincinnati back in the game just a little bit. But I like where this team is at. It's very talented. Don't get too carried away. If you just turn the television on, watch this game, hadn't been paying attention to the offseason, wasn't really sure what to expect from this basketball team, don't let this first game color your opinion of Ohio State basketball. The bottom line is they came back against a good defensive team. I'm not sure how great Cincinnati is just yet. They may or may not be an NCAA tournament team. I think that they will be. But don't let this game color your opinion negatively of Ohio State basketball because I really believe this is a top 20 team. You're going to see improvement. that They'll cut down on the turnovers. They'll be a little bit better shooting team, even though I'm not sure that that's going to be a huge strength. I think it'll be better than what we saw Tuesday or I'm sorry Wednesday night. So Ohio State basketball, the bottom line, they came up with a big win. They've got UMass Lowell coming up on Sunday, and then they get back into the thick of it with Villanova next Wednesday. So it doesn't get any easier for Ohio State basketball, but they've got plenty of time now. They've got several practices and another game to be able to kind of clean up some of the problems and then come back out against a top 10 team next Wednesday in Columbus against Villanova. So the Buckeyes are back. It wasn't pretty, but it is a W. And right now, at this point in the season, that's all that matters. There's still several months 
until they get into the point where it's crunch time. So Ohio State has plenty of time to pick up the pieces and get to where they need to be by the season's end. Coming up in a second, we'll talk some Ohio State football. Penn State is going to be a noon kickoff officially. We'll discuss what that means and my opinions on the new craze in college football, the noon kickoff. Penn State, Ohio State, it is official. It is a noon game the week before the game. Look, this is not a surprise. Anybody that was expecting a night game, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it was never going to be a night game. Let me start by saying this. I went back and looked because I was kind of curious why people were getting their hopes up for this being a night game. Ohio State has never played a night game this late in the season. I went back at least 25 years. Well, the 20 years that I counted out of the 70 night games played, 46 of them were noon games. 19 of them were 3.30 kickoffs. There were five night games played in the month of November in the last 20 years. Of those five, not a single one of them were played after week nine of the regular season. So that means the last three weeks of November, Ohio State has not played a night game. I think it has to do, I'm pretty sure it has to do with the Big Ten bylaws. Now, these have never been publicized, but it is. it has been reported in many instances that in the Big Ten bylaws, bylaws, it states that teams cannot play a night game in the month of November without both schools consenting. See, here's the structure. I know there is a lot of frustration with some people that are tired of the, the noon games, but it, it goes back to the way these deals are structured because the bylaws state that the networks have the power to determine the start times. This is built into the contracts with the media partners. The presidents granted the league this power to do so. They negotiated the deals with the television partners, and the television partners then determined the start times. Gene Smith, athletic directors at any given university in the Big Ten, have no say in the matter. Now, sure, they have influence into future deals and how they're structured. They can certainly give their opinions to the commissioner of the Big Ten, and the Big Ten can then shape the next deal, how it may work. But as far as in the micro, in the interim, in the short term, athletic directors have nothing to do with the start times. It's out of Ohio State's hands. It is all up to the television partners based on the parameters of the contract. The bylaws appear to govern the ability to have night games in the month of November, which is the reason why you have apparently not seen Ohio State ever play a night game after week nine of the regular season. It just hasn't happened. Not home, not away. All of them that I've found going back 25 years, and I'm pretty sure that they weren't played before that because Ohio State's second night game ever only occurred in 1993. So Ohio State, it's safe to say, has never played a night game after week nine of the regular season. So anybody hoping that it, there was going to be a, a night game with Penn State the second to last week of the regular season was wishing for something that just wasn't realistic. Now, as for the couple issues here, 
I don't begrudge anyone for saying they're tired of all the night, all the noon games. Me personally, and I've stated this on the podcast, I do sympathize, even though I'm loving this big noon kickoff. And I'll even back up and preface by saying, I've always been predisposed to more enjoy night games myself. So it's not that I don't sympathize with many of you. As much as I'm enjoying the big noon kickoff this year because it's spreading out the college football slate a lot better and it's making Saturdays more enjoyable, I know this year was kind of an odd year because of the extra bye week. So sometimes it felt like these schedules were too thin, but that's a little bit of an anomaly because of the extra bye week. But I think in the future, having these noon kickoffs will help some of the busier Saturdays It'll the really good Saturdays that'll allow you to sit back and just watch really good football all day long. But it's not that I'm not sympathetic as far as the taste is concerned, because I, I do enjoy some of these games being played at noon, but I also do want to see primetime games. I've always been predisposed to that. I'm right there with a lot of you. I don't want to see every single big time game be at noon. My issue on Twitter was I'm a little frustrated because I feel like some people are purposely intertwining their own personal taste for not wanting as many noon games with trying to make a big deal out of the recruiting aspect. There are a lot of people pointing out that this is going to hurt recruiting because the coaches have said in the past, Urban Meyer has said in the past, that it is difficult to get out-of-state recruits in for noon kickoffs. That is certainly true. But I would say it does not hurt recruiting. I phrased it on Twitter that it's more of an inconvenience than an impediment. Look, Ohio State has been recruiting big-time players for as long as Ohio State has been around. It's traditionally been noon players, noon kickoffs. Well over 90% of all the kickoffs Ohio State has ever had has been noon or 1 o'clock. That's just the way it's always been. Even in the last 10 years, a majority of the kickoffs have still been at noon. As I said, last 20 years, 46 of the 70 kickoffs in November have been at noon. And Penn State has the traditional whiteout game that everybody goes gaga over, but they don't get every single recruit. You know, at the end of the day... Recruits that like Ohio State are going to still find a way to visit. They're going to find a time to visit. And Ohio State is going to do the best job that they can introducing those recruits to the campus, to the fans, to the atmosphere, to the academic facilities, to everything that Ohio State has to offer. So my my point here is that I'm not begrudging anybody for their personal preference not wanting so many noon games. And I'm also not saying that you have no points here to make with recruiting. I think it's an inconvenience to recruiting. But Ohio State has been finding way to la- finding ways to get people on campus despite many noon kickoffs for years and years and years. All I'm saying here is I think we're making too big of a deal out of this. They'll still move on. It kind of reminds me of Nick Saban. Remember Nick Saban back in, I think it was 2011. Remember all the whining and complaining he was doing about the speed and tempo. Auburn was running this fast, no-huddle offense. 
And it was all the rage in college football. And Nick Saban was talking about how bad it was for college football. And at the end of the day, it was all because it was bad for Alabama. He didn't like the style. And so he was trying to, in his head and outwardly to the media, he was trying to make up all these reasons why it was bad because he just didn't like it. And I kind of feel like that's what's going on with the noon kickoffs. Some of you, understandably, don't prefer all the noon kickoffs. Some of you, it's just because it's happening too frequently. Some of them, some of you just don't like it, and that's perfectly fine. I completely understand that. But I also think that we're trying a little bit too hard to, to push the bad-for-recruiting angle because of our own personal preferences. I really feel like that is happening a little too much. I think it's, it's inconvenient for recruiting, certainly. But Ohio State has always been at the top of the food chain as far as recruiting is concerned. And a few extra noon kickoffs in a given year, it's not going to change it. The ironic thing is, I remember I've been around a while on the message boards and and the communities. And and of course, social media really has been more this decade that it's really gotten going. But the message boards have been around now for 20 years plus. And it wasn't that long ago, everybody was complaining about all the night games. And it was just funny because the Buckeye Nation, the fan base, was really, really irritated with the number of 3.30 and especially nighttime games that were going on. And so many people were complaining that there weren't more noon games. And now it's the other way around. There are too many noon games all of a sudden. I love you guys. It's it's just kind of funny to see. And it's not just the Ohio State fan base. It's everybody. I mean, this this happens everywhere. I'm I'm just poking fun a little bit, but it is kind of... Funny to see the worm turn a little bit. Before, it was too many primetime games. Now, it's too many noon games. Look, Ohio State is going to be fine. You know, they may be... This is all cyclical anyway. This is a... uh, There was a saturation in primetime games in the market, and now Fox is finding a way to exploit a void in the noon time slot. It's good for ratings. It's going to be good for the Big Ten. It's not great or ideal for recruiting, but Ohio State will survive. I promise you that. Nothing is going to change. This is going to be, it's overblown. They'll find a way to find a delicate balance here within the next television contract, and all will be well. Ohio State coming up this Saturday against Maryland. Is Ohio State one of the best constructed football teams ever? I'll talk a little bit more about that coming up. Here in just a moment. Is this the most well-rounded, balanced college football team we've ever seen? I ask that somewhat rhetorically. You're more than welcome to chime in. Message me on Twitter at KYLAM8 or the show at Locked on Buckeye. That's Locked on Buckeye singular. You're more than welcome to tweet your own opinions. I'm, I am curious what you think about this. But it's really not hyperbole. It's, it's, it's a fair question. And you know my stance on this. I've been throwing out some of the metrics and analytics and, and some of the reasons why I think this is one of the, so far to this point anyway, Ohio State's been one of the best college football teams we've seen in this era. It, it, it's re- really remarkable some of the numbers they're putting up. But this was underscored by something I saw on Twitter on Wednesday, and I retweeted this, and if you didn't see this, you'll want to check it out. This comes to you from 
Sport Source Analytics. The Twitter handle is at Sport Source A, the letter A, Sport Source, letter A. Okay. These guys run the site CFBStats.com, which is an analytics site as well as a search firm, which is, they claim they've done uh, 40 plus college football coaching searches since 2012. As luck would have it, they are also the official analytics platform of the college football playoff, which means they provide data and analytics to the selection committee. They put out a tweet in response to Danny Cannell in a conversation he was having about Ohio State on Wednesday with Joel Klatt, of course, my favorite uh, college football analyst in the country, but does a phenomenal job regardless of whether he's your favorite or not. He, he tells it like it is. I don't always agree with him. Nobody does. You know, nobody is always going to agree with anyone. But he is really rational and makes intelligent, fair points about everything. And he has a good blend of the eye test, you know, just watching the games with a keen eye for what's going on analytic or what's going on schematically but also being able to back up opinions with the analytics and the metrics and the numbers. So sports source analytics posted this picture and I really love these things. These graphs are really cool. So what they are is they're a big circle. Okay. And I'll describe the circle is it's like a pie chart. And with each slice of pie, they're showing a different type of, a different aspect of, of football. So they have relative scoring offense, points per possession offense, points per possession defense, big play offense, big play defense, field position differential, third down defense, first to 10 offense and defense, third down offense, total defense, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get also tackles for loss. You've got turnover margin. They basically have every kind of facet that you can imagine in football. And so with each slice of the pie, it starts with an inner circle. And you can think of it as percentile. So it goes in the 20 percentile. And then there's another ring, like a dartboard, with 40 percentile and 60 percentile and then 80 percentile and then 100 percentile. So, of course, when you get to 50, which is halfway through the circle, that's going to be nationwide average. If you're 50 percentile, that means out of 130 teams, you're averaging about, you're in the 65 range. So think of this big pie chart. And in theory, then, if you are a perfect team, and there's no such thing as a perfect team, but if you're close to being a perfect team, 100 percentile in almost every facet, then it's going to look like a perfect circle in this pie chart. And the scary thing is, when you look at this graph, it shows Ohio State's strength profile, it shows a pie chart for Ohio State, and then it shows right next to LSU, which is the number two team in the country right now, according to the College Football Playoff Committee. So when you look at Ohio State's profile, it is almost a perfect circle. First and 10 offense is the only thing that they're below 90% in. 
I kid you not, the only thing on this chart that Ohio State is below the 90 percentile in terms of slices is first and 10 offense. They're about 95% in big play offense. They're about 97, 96% in first and 10 defense. But almost the rest of the pie chart is 100 percentile, which means Ohio State is in the top three percentile of college football in almost everything measurable, according to this chart. Folks, this is the most insane balance you will ever see, potentially in your lifetime, for any team. Now, I'm not saying this is going to translate to the perfect perfect record. I'm not saying it's going to translate into a Big Ten championship and then a college football playoff championship. But go look at this chart and see it next to LSU, which, by the way, LSU was the number two team in the country. LSU has big chunks of the pie missing. Somebody has been sneaking some slices of the pie from the crust inward because LSU's chart is very, very flawed. If you got this pizza from a, from a pizza place, you'd be returning it because it doesn't look very good. And LSU is supposed to be the second best team in the country. This is why right here, if they are the data provider of the college football playoff, it's no wonder Ohio State is their number one team. Because if they're looking at this data, if they're looking at these graphs side by side, I'm telling you what, there's not a rational person in this country if they're looking at this information that wouldn't conclude Ohio State right now has earned being the best team or the number one team in the country. Enjoy this season while it lasts. I don't know how much longer it's going to keep up. I don't know if they're going to keep playing this well. They have a couple of obstacles coming up in Penn State and Michigan. If they're fortunate enough to get through those and into the Big Ten, they're going to have a tough game in the Big Ten title game most likely. And, you know, if they get to the college football playoff, interesting thing, though, is I was having a, a conversation with a friend of mine. We actually think, on paper, Penn State and Michigan might be the bigger concern for Buckeye fans. Get through those, and it's not, not saying that Alabama or LSU or Clemson or any of those teams can't beat Ohio State, but I think if Ohio State is able to get to that point and get to the playoff, I don't know. I just got a funny feeling at that point they're just going to go sailing smooth sailing ahead i i just think we're going to see lights out if, if that happens that's just that's an opinion I, i'm not saying that's what's going to happen but just i kind of get that feeling it's a vibe i get enjoy this season though it, this is no hyperbole no exaggeration this ohio state team is something special it, it's it's the most deep balanced team i have ever seen in college football bar none We'll talk more about Ohio State and Maryland coming up tomorrow on Locked on Buckeyes. You can follow us at on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Make sure you hit me up on Twitter. Also follow me over on the Unscripted Ohio podcasting platform as well. Love to hear more from you on Twitter at KYLAM8. We'll be back tomorrow to preview Maryland, Ohio State, everybody. Have a good one.